some of the highlights of, uh, or lowlights in today's case, uh, of, uh, of each day uh, as they uh, lead up to uh, the resurrection. And last week, uh, again, last week was not Palm Sunday, uh, but we looked at Palm Sunday, the first uh, day really of what is called traditionally Holy Week. There's nothing in the Bible that calls it that. That's just something that uh, man has uh, assigned uh, to, uh, to call uh, that, uh, that week. And we look uh, at uh, the uh, triumphal entry, uh, which was really the uh, major, there were a few other small things went on, but that is the uh, highlight of, of Sunday. Then on uh, Sunday evening, he returned back to Bethany. And uh, we're going to skip Monday and Tuesday because they are uh, relatively quiet. There were a few events, um, but uh, Monday uh, he leaves Bethany uh, and goes back to Jerusalem. And on the way to Jerusalem, uh, we have the story of the cursing uh, of the fig tree uh, on that Monday. Monday is also the day that uh, he wept over Jerusalem and uh, he cleanses the temple uh, once again, runs uh, the folks out. And uh, so that was Monday. Then Monday evening, he returns back to Bethany. Uh, Tuesday morning, he gets up, returns to Jerusalem uh, once again uh, on the way comes back across uh, the, uh, the fig tree uh, that uh, he had cursed the day before, uh, and now it is withered up, and he uses that as a opportunity uh, to teach on faith. Um, he goes into the temple, teaches in the temple for a while, and then we have uh, him going out to the Mount of Olives and uh, giving the Olivet Discourse. And that brings us now to Wednesday uh, of Holy Week. And Wednesday is a day that uh, is relatively uh, silent on Jesus' part. Um, it is uh, fairly quiet, a major event uh, of, uh, of Wednesday. Um, and depending on where you may look, you may see today, uh, if you see something listing out Holy Week, uh, you may see today called Holy Wednesday. Uh, you may see it called Spy Wednesday, uh, which is probably a little bit better uh, title in, uh, in most ways, uh, because Wednesday is the day uh, that uh, Judas goes uh, to the Pharisees and uh, plots, uh, makes the offer uh, to them to betray uh, Jesus. That is important. Uh, because if you read the text, you find out that the Pharisees uh, were already plotting against Jesus, but uh, they had determined uh, that they would wait. Uh, during the Passover, they're 
to put it, uh, to not use their words, but to use mine, uh, there were too many witnesses. Uh, there were just too many people in town, too many people to see uh, what they were up to. And so they decide to wait until later, uh, but they are still determined uh, to uh, do away uh, with Jesus. And then along comes uh, Judas with his offer. And the Bible tells us that they were glad uh, because they uh, saw a, uh, a way. Uh, they were glad, I think, for a couple of reasons. One, if uh, one of his own disciples were turning against him, uh, maybe that was a sign that uh, others that that, uh, that others would follow along. Uh, that his impact was going to be. Uh, Undercut, and others would stop. Uh, some of the crowd would stop uh, following him, and so uh, that begins then the uh, the story uh, of Judas. One of the things you will notice, uh, and you will notice this morning uh, as we look uh, at uh, the tale of the traitor, as I'm calling it, uh, the story of Judas it is. There's actually for a character who plays uh, so largely in uh, to the Easter story, uh, for a character who is uh, so uh, well known uh, throughout time, uh, there is uh, very little uh, scripture uh, discussing uh, Judas. Uh, we really don't know uh, a great deal about him uh, or his actions. Um, or where he was really from, we have an idea, uh, but uh, Judas is an almost anonymous character. He kind of flashes onto the screen for, uh, for one scene and he's gone. Uh, and uh, that's about all uh, that we have uh, of this man. But in what little we know, uh, I believe there is uh, an important lesson uh, even today. Uh, and so as we begin looking uh, at this man, uh, that's where I want to start, uh, is talking for a moment about the man. Uh, talking for a moment uh, about Judas himself. Uh, what we do know uh, for certain uh, about Judas, or maybe not even for certain, what we strongly uh, suspect based on evidence, uh, what we know uh, about this man again who plays so uh, heavily uh, into uh, the story uh, of, uh, of Jesus and his uh, crucifixion. And so as we look at uh, this man, beginning in uh, verse 14, uh, of chapter 26 of Matthew, uh, the Bible says there, it says, Then one of the twelve called Judas Iscariot, went unto the chief priest, and said unto them, What will you give me? And I will deliver him unto you. And they covenanted with him for thirty pieces of silver. And from that time he saw opportunity to betray him. That verse, uh, those two verses, which are uh, almost identical uh, in Matthew, Mark, and Luke, not uh, not even included uh, in the Gospel of John, uh, are really about all we have uh, of uh, the information uh, about Judah, uh, Judas. He is alluded to uh, in 1 Corinthians. He is mentioned uh, very 
briefly uh, in one verse in the book of Acts. But other than that, uh, again, this man who plays uh, such a heavy part, uh, I think all of us would agree uh, that he's a fairly major uh, character in the story, uh, is relatively uh, unknown scripture-wise. Uh, much of what we have uh, knowledge or what we think we have of knowledge of Judas is uh, opinion uh, that we form based on what he did. Uh, we have a pretty good idea uh, of what we think about Judas. And there's, you know, there's a reason uh, you can go up to the maternity ward and stand there for the next six weeks. And I assure you, there won't be a Judas rolled out uh, into the window. Uh, you know, there, there's a reason for that. We have uh, definitely uh, formed some thoughts uh, about this man named Judas. And uh, let's take for a minute uh, what we actually do know uh, about Judas. Uh, again, there may not be any babies named now after Judas, but uh, it was a common name uh, in his day. There are actually eight different Judases uh, listed or some form of Judas. The name, uh, just like my name, Jimmy, Jim, James, uh, Judas, Jude, uh, Judah. There's some form of that name uh, quite often uh, in the Bible. The name Judas uh, itself eight times, twice uh, in the Old Testament, six uh, in the New Testament. In fact, uh, one of Jesus' half-brothers or uh, was named Judas. And so it was a, uh, it was a common name uh, in, that, uh, in that time. And there's, uh, now the, the thing that distinguishes them uh, is, for example, we have Judas Barabbas. Uh, here we have Judas Iscariot. Now, there's uh, a lot of discussion uh, about what the name uh, Iscariot uh, actually means, why it was called that. Uh, it, uh, it appears uh, to represent uh, his hometown. Uh, there is some idea that uh, it was a nickname that meant liar, uh, but uh, we didn't know he was a liar until after he already had the name. Uh, so uh, it appears more likely uh, that it uh, represents his name, uh, that the word actually means man of carry-off, uh, which would represent uh, where he was uh, where he was from. Uh, and Igor Palin uh, talking about Judas. <coughs> Excuse me. <coughs> says something uh, that I think is interesting. He says, well, it's been said uh, about Judas. We, we, obviously, uh, we have uh, talked a lot about him uh, over the years in the church, but uh, he says there's a few simple headings uh, that, uh, that sum him up, and it's an interesting list. He says, disgusting, desperate, disillusioned, defenseless, and finally demon. Uh, that's his. Uh, that, that's his list of words uh, to describe Judas, and that's uh, a pretty accurate list. Uh, whatever else we know uh, about him, we know he was disgusting. Uh, we know, for one, that the Bible teaches us uh, that he was uh, the treasurer for the disciples. And that uh, says that he held the bag, which meant uh, he kept the money. Uh, we also know that he was stealing from said bag. He was a thief. He was disgusting. Uh, we know uh, he was ultimately disgusting in his betrayal uh, of Jesus Christ. He was defenseless. He has no reason, uh, no uh, answer. Uh, he can't give a defense uh, for why he did that. Uh, he was desperate. 
uh, in his his action. He was disillusioned. Uh, he uh, one of the reasons that uh, that uh, we believe today uh, that he did what he did uh, was because he finally became disillusioned uh, in Jesus. That he had in his mind uh, that Jesus was going to set up uh, a kingdom and overthrow Rome uh, and make Israel a great powerhouse again. And when he began uh, to be obvious, most likely uh, on Palm Sunday when Jesus rode in on a donkey, uh, that was probably the beginning of the end uh, for Judas. At that point, uh, he was one of the ones uh, that we talked about last week who was expecting a Messiah on a white horse. And when he rides in on a donkey, uh, Judas is kind of, I'm done. Uh, that, that, uh, so he became uh, disillusioned. And finally, we know he ended up dead. Uh, and uh, from uh, from Haney, uh himself, and that uh, is by and large what we know uh, about this man uh, named Judas. Now, uh, let's take and look for a moment at what he actually did. Uh, we uh, kind of all have a, a good idea, and Diane did a, a marvelous job here on our uh, on our table up front. And uh, shame that uh, folks watching online can't see it. We got the uh, silver laid out there, uh, representing uh, the price that uh, was paid for the betrayal uh, of Christ. But uh, as we look, he says it tells us in in verse fifteen. He says, "What will you give me?" Uh, he goes and. Uh, as we think about the method uh, that Judas used, it's really, when you begin to analyze it and break it down, it's really uh, a sad story. Uh, when he basically goes and, uh, you know, um, it, it's almost uh, someone who is uh, who is broke, who is struggling. Uh, you know, you can imagine someone, uh, you know, who's, who the power bill is coming due and, and they need to pay the power bill or they're going to be in the dark and they find the, the thing they have of value. Uh, I don't know if I got anything of value with me here. Uh, you know, they had anything of value and you know, they walked into a, a pawn shop or walked up to a stranger and said, listen, you know, how much will you give me? You know, now, now, if you're not desperate, if you're not, you, know, you, look, you, you put it up on a, on a, on a wall ad somewhere and you say, you know, iPhone for sale, however many dollars. You, know, you set your price. But when you're desperate, you go and you say, what will you give me? Yeah, what, what will you give me? I want you to think about uh, that idea of, of betraying uh, his friend that he's been with for three years, his master, his teacher, betraying, selling another human being on that kind of market. What will you give me uh, for this man? What will you, what will you offer? Basically, and, and you know, I don't know how many of you, uh, some of you are, are probably more, uh, I don't know if you have, you're you more into bartering and, and the swapping back and forth and the yard selling and all that kind of thing. You know, generally, you know, when you when you start out with what will you give me, you know we're fixing to have a, you know, well, I'll give you 30. Well, I'd rather have 32. Now, 31. 31 feet. 31 and a quarter. Yeah. Yeah. Think about what Judas does to Jesus. He borrows Jesus like a common yard sale He borrows Jesus like you might sell a piece of livestock at the auction house. What will you give me? Yeah. Think about, uh, you know, as you think about that, and again, you know, we all know about the 30 pieces of silver, but when we back up and see how we arrived at 30 pieces of silver, 
He goes in and he says, what will you give me and I will deliver him unto you. And they covenanted with him for 30 pieces of silver. Now what's interesting about how Judas uh, sells Jesus, betrays Jesus, is it appears he didn't even bargain. That he goes in and uh, walks in and says, what will you give me? And they say, 30 pieces of silver. And he says, so. We, we don't even see a, a bargain. We don't even see a, a debate over the price. Simply, uh, the, the Pharisees throw out a lowball offer. I'm going to talk about that in just a moment. Truly, a lowball offer of 30 pieces of silver. 30 shekels, he says. And uh, as Judas came in, I can only imagine the mind uh, of these uh, perverted Jewish rulers. Again, they'd already decided not to pursue Jesus until after the Passover. And then uh, as Judas comes in and says, what will you give me? Their eyes lit up and they got excited and said, oh, we'll give you 30 pieces of silver. And Judas is done. So, I'll take it. What a, what a, when you begin to really mull that through, uh, it, it's really uh, a, a sad story. That one of Jesus' twelve would sell him. Now let's start, think for a minute. You may not recognize the significance of 30 pieces of silver. We don't deal in silver today. And in, in, in your mind, you may be thinking, well, 30 pieces of silver, maybe that's a lot of money. Let me tell you about 30 pieces of silver. If you go back to the Old Testament, and you look at the law, the Bible taught that there, there were some rules about slaves and animals and those kind of things. And if you had, if I had a, a, a flock of animals and one of my animals, one of my, one of my bulls uh, would have gored one of Tommy's servants and, and, and killed one of Tommy's servants. The price I had to pay him, I had to give him 30 pieces of silver and the animal had to be stoned. Now let's let that sink in for a moment. The price of a slave, the price of a servant is what all Judas got for Jesus. The price that you would pay if your animal gored one of what was considered to be one of the bottom rungs of society. Again, a servant, a slave, slightly above a leper, you know, someone along in there, but pretty much the bottom of society. If your animal killed one of those people, you had to pay that man's owner 30 pieces of silver. And Judas sells Jesus for the price of a gored servant. Of a slave. Listen, as uh, as you again begin to mull through exactly uh, what he did, Bible tells us in the book of Mark, and when it records this, it says they were glad when Judas made his offer when he came in, and he promised they promised to give him money, and it says from that point on he sought that he might conveniently. Betray that he might conveniently betray him. So as we think about the method here, we thought about for a moment the price for thirty pieces of silver. The price of a slave ran over in the field. 
Judas betrays Jesus. And if for some reason, it may not anyone else, and which is this fortunate because it's my turn to preach. But for me, this word stood out. And in Mark's account, that Judas looked for a time when it would be convenient to betray Jesus. A time when it would be convenient. I don't know about you, but when I think of convenient and convenience, I don't usually associate that with when it is, I don't turn a man over to be killed. Judas sells him for the price of a stampeded slave and is simply looking for a time when it will be convenient to do it. Well, I don't really have time today. I have to get a haircut and I need to mow my yard. But maybe this evening I'll get around to it. Again, that may not strike you the way it does me. But I hope it does. That Judas and him, when it came to betraying Jesus Christ, he was just looking for something, sometime, some way that was convenient. Think about that for a moment. Judas knew what was going to happen. Judas knew what they wanted to do. Judas knew that these Pharisees wanted Jesus dead. And so let's just put it this way. Judas says, I'm looking for a time when it will be convenient to murder Jesus. Convenience and murder are usually not two words I link together. That was how Judas approached this. What will you give me and when is it convenient? A business transaction that happened to fit into his calendar. Think about that. Percolate on that moment. A business transaction, not even a good one. You don't have to think about it long and hard to know that they would have paid way more than 30 pieces of silver. It was convenient to get the 30 pieces of silver. It, now he's looking for a time when it would be convenient to turn them in. If you had a next door neighbor who was some kind of criminal, would you wait? If you had a next door neighbor who was a, a murderer or some kind of violent, horrible thief, would you wait till sometime when it was convenient to call the law and turn him in? Or would you call straightway? Yeah. As soon as you realized what was what was next door, wouldn't you get on the phone with the police and say, let's get him, get this guy? Yeah. I had a murderer living next door to me. Y'all better come get him quick. That tells you with it, yeah. You wouldn't wait till it was convenient to call on him, would you? That tells you what Judas really thought. He knew Jesus wasn't a threat. He knew Jesus wasn't a problem. So he waits till it's convenient. 
You see the man. You see the method. Let's talk for a moment about the motivation. Have you ever asked yourself that question? Why did Judas do what he did? Think about it. I'm going to ask you to do something that may not be preacher proper, but I'm going to do it anyway. Think of somebody you really don't like. Got him? Would you turn him into the, to be killed? Probably not. What would motivate Judas? Listen, a lot of people have hated Jesus over the years. A lot of people hated Jesus then. A lot of people still hate Jesus. I hope you know that. All you have to do is listen and look. There are a lot of people who still don't like Jesus. Who still don't like what he teaches. Who still don't like the truth of the gospel. But most of those people just choose, if they don't like the gospel, if they don't like Jesus, they don't like his teaching, if they don't like what he preaches, if they don't like his rules, if they don't like his standards, what do most of them do? Most of them just turn and walk away and go follow somebody else or follow them. They just walk away. No. Now, now, the logical thing, the normal thing for Judas to do, he's upset because Jesus didn't come in on a white horse. He's upset because, and, and I think when you take the whole picture, and I, I'm going to have to get ahead of myself here, I think the ultimate motivation for Judas was greed. If you take all of what we do know about Judas and put it together, was greed. And I think what happened was, again, he was the man, remember, who kept the bag. He was the treasurer. And so he had in his mind that this little, that this little guy from nowhere who had you know, uh, 12 little scraggly followers, he's going to come in on a white horse. He's going to set up a kingdom. He's going to become rich. He's going to become powerful. And I am going to keep the bag. And the bag is about to get a lot bigger. And then when Jesus comes riding in on a donkey, he sees the bag is not only going to not get bigger, it's probably going to disappear altogether. At that point, if most of us are Judas, what do we do? I'm out of here. Not turning out like I thought it would. Here's your bag. Now, here we get the bag back. Here's the left foot the bag. Now that I think about it, because the Bible says he was a thief. Listen, he, most of us, if, if, if following Christ wasn't turning out the way we thought it was, if he wasn't setting up himself the way we thought he should, what would we do? We'd just say, hey, I'm out of here. I'm not going to follow somebody else. But not Judas. Judas says, I'm not leaving. I'm going to sell him. I'm going to betray him. I'm going to set him up to be killed. What in the world would motivate someone to take that kind of drastic action? I would hope that, you know, that, that should you ever... And I, I, I hope you don't, and I'm going to try to avoid it. But should you ever get upset with me as your pastor? I would prefer, 
I don't want you to, but I'd rather you just find you another church than to kill me. Okay? <laughs> Think about that for a moment. That's what the parallel is here. You know, got a Sunday school teacher, you know what? Don't quit going to Sunday school. Kill him. <laughs> you know, think about it a minute. Tommy's like, oh, 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 wait a minute, what are you talking about? You know, slow down there. But think about it. Most people would have just walked away, but not, not Judas. Judas says, I'm going to sell it. You know what I think was going on? And again, I mean, I have to speculate a little bit here with Scripture, I think, to support uh, my case. What will you give me? What will you give me? That line, I think, says a lot. What will you give me, and I will betray him to you? What will you give me? I think Judas is, again, his greed was what was going on here. And he got to the point, again, where he realized that it was very clear and apparent to him and everyone else, Jesus is not coming in on a white horse. Jesus is not setting up a kingdom. I'm not going to get rich being the treasurer for Jesus Christ. So I'm going to go to the Pharisees and say, what will you give me? Does that sound like somebody who goes to the Pharisees, goes to these people saying, I got to get what I can while I'm getting is good. Does that know what that sounds like? I want to get something out of this deal before it falls completely apart. So if they, they offer me 30 pieces of silver, great. Hallelujah. At least I'm getting something out of this. 30 pieces of silver will get me out of town. That's all I'm after. At some point, Judas had began to embezzle from the from, from Jesus from the from the treasure. John chapter twelve makes that clear. And again, I just think he came to the point where he said, I gotta get what I can while I can. You ever had an item that you thought one day might be worth something and you realized it wasn't gonna be, so you better sell it while you can? I better sell it and get what I can out of it. Might have been a piece of land, might have been a car, might have been a piece of jewelry, but you came to the point where you realized this is never going to be worth what I thought it was, so I better sell it now while I can. Judas does that to Jesus. I better sell him while I can. I better sell him while I have the opportunity. While I can possibly do it. Again, two reasons I say that. Again, as I think he thought that when Jesus set up his kingdom. Jesus has been talking about setting up a kingdom. All along. You remember? He's been talking about setting up a kingdom. Judas said, I'm going to be the treasurer of that kingdom. That will give me even more to steal. And so then when that fell apart, he says, i, I got to get out. And again, I think he was really disappointed at the triumphal entry. When Christ didn't come in and immediately set up his kingdom. Now here, the motivation. But the mystery. Have you ever, again, thought about this aspect of Jesus? How could someone who walked with Jesus Christ 
for three years. Sell for 30 pieces of silver. Think for a moment what Judas has witnessed, what he has been part of over the last three years. Depending on how you count or which translation you count in, the New Testament records for us at least 37 different miracles that Jesus performed during his earthly ministry. Now, I point out to you, that's what the New Testament records. The vast majority of Jesus' ministry is not recorded in the Gospels. Majority of what Jesus did. We just have 37 we know about that have been recorded. Here is a man who has walked along with Jesus, who has seen the deaf given back their hearing, the blind given back their sight, the mute given back their speech, the crippled be given back their legs, the dead be given back their life. Who have seen thousands fed from a mere handful of food. Who have seen him walk on the water. Who has seen him say to the winds and the waves, be still. Who has heard him teach. Who has heard him give great messages. He has heard the parables. He has heard the parables explained. He has heard the teaching of Jesus Christ. He has seen the miracles of Jesus Christ. He has personally invested and been involved in the personality of Jesus Christ. And yet somehow at the end of that three years. says, what will you give me? And I'll sell it to you. What will you give me? And I'll sell it to you. What will you offer? And this man who has fed me. This man who has taught me. This man who I have walked with and witnessed his great power. What will you give me? And I'll sell him to you. Again, many people reject Jesus. But most don't want to destroy him. Is that not a little bit of a mystery to you? What would come over this man that he would do that? Listen, it's, it's one thing to, 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 to say, I'm going to reject him. But after all of that, to say, I want to see him dead. I want to see him crucified. But let me veer down on the dirt early for a moment. How many of us, like Judas, have been witness and party to the greatness of Jesus Christ? And yet, sometimes, when we don't want to admit it, 
and we'd rather not think about it, we betray it. We refuse in a crowd of people to give him the glory and the credit he deserves. When he heals us, when he feeds us, when he provides for us, we may have not ever saw some of the things that Judas saw. But if you know Christ as your Savior, you see him raised the dead because you were the dead that he raised. Because the Bible says we were dead in our trespasses. But he gave us life and life abundant. I didn't just see him raise the dead, I am the dead that he raised. It's not just a mystery why Judas betrayed him. It's a mystery why we make some of the decisions we make. We may have not ever sold him for 30 pieces of silver. We often sell him for much less. For our own pride. Look at the master. Perhaps the most amazing part of this story. Is how Jesus reacted to all of it. If you jump down in chapter 26 to verse 20. After all this takes place. They're gathered in the upper room. For that Passover meal. It says, when the evening was come, he sat down with the twelve, and as they did eat, he said, Verily I say unto you, that one of you shall betray me. And they were exceeding sorrowful, and began every one of them, every one of them, including Judas, to say, Lord, is it I? And he answered and said, He that dippeth his hand with me in the dish, the same shall betray me. The Son of Man goeth as it is written, of him, but woe unto that man by whom the Son of Man is betrayed. It had been good for that man if he had not been born. Then Judas, which betrayed him, uh, answered and said, Master, is it I? And he said unto him, Thou hast said. Then Judas, which betrayed him, says, Master, is it I? And Jesus says, you said it. Your own tongue, you said it. No reason for us to believe that Judas was off in the head. No reason for us to think something was wrong with him mentally. That he wouldn't have understand, understood clearly when he says, Master, am I the one? And he says, you said it. No reason to believe that Judas wouldn't have went, oh, 
Gotcha. Understand. Message received. I get it clearly. Yes, you're saying, I am the one. Judas knew he'd already made the deal. He'd already signed the contract. He'd already taken the money. And there comes a point here where he's almost like a, a car going downhill with no brakes. He's kind of out of control. He set something now in motion that's gotten way bigger than him. Nevertheless, here's what I think was going on. I think even at that moment, when Jesus says, you are the man, if Judas would have repented, if he would have fell on his knees before Jesus and said, Oh, what have I done? Oh, please forgive me. I believe with all my heart that Jesus in his love and his mercy and his grace would have reached down and took Judas by the hand and said, Son, you are forgiven. We all know the story. Judas refuses. See the misery. Look in verse 3. Then Judas, which he had betrayed him when he saw that he was condemned, repented himself. Now let's not get too far ahead of ourselves. King James says he repented himself. Now we use the word repent in the church pretty often. It doesn't mean what we talk about with repent. The word that is used there means he regretted. He realized he had messed up. He realized he had messed up. But he wasn't repenting. He brings the 30 pieces of silver to the chief priest saying, I have sinned and that I have betrayed him from blood. And they said, what's that to us? We don't care. We don't care. You do that. See the out of that. That's your problem. And he throws down the pieces of silver in the temple and the parts, and he goes out and hungers. Judas comes to the place where he regrets what he did, but he does not repent for what he did. Judas was disappointed. That things hadn't happened the way he expected they would. He regretted that things didn't turn out the way he wanted them to. And so he takes his 30 pieces of silver and he goes back to the chief priest and says, listen. And again, notice that he had to spend a penny. He takes every bit of it and he goes back. And he says, here. I, you know, a lot of questions. Why did he take that money back? Was he trying to cleanse his conscience? Was he trying to stop what had happened? I don't know if we can answer that. Did he think maybe if he went in and offered them back that these guys then changed their mind? If so, he learned a hard lesson.
learn the hard lesson. There's a small tree in Southeast Asia that they have named and called the Judas tree. Beautiful tree. Blooms, beautiful. Blossoms on it. Um, someone has described them as looking like scarlet sunbeams. Isn't that just lovely? Scarlet sunbeams. I don't even know what a scarlet sunbeam would look like, but it just sounds pretty, doesn't it? Look like scarlet sunbeams. Those beautiful flowers, as you might imagine, draw in scores of small insects. Bees flocking to those blossoms, trying to gather nectar so they can create honey. But every single insect that flies to that tree and lands on one of those blossoms dies. The nectar in the blossoms of the Judas tree are poison. And should you ever be in Southeast Asia and you come across a Judas tree in bloom, and you look around the ground underneath the Judas tree, you'll see the ground just littered with dead and dying insects. That tree is named a Judas tree for a reason. It reminds us of the high price and the impact of sin. It may look good. It may look beautiful. I'm sure the night Judas made that deal with the priest, can you see him walking away with his little bag of 30 pieces of silver, jingling as he went, thinking about what he was going to do with his newfound wealth? Can you see him a little skip in his step? I bet he was kind of like a kid. I bet as he walked home that day, as he walked down the streets of town, he was looking in the windows. Building a little window shop. I'm going to come back and get me one of them. I like that. What do you think? Does that sound reasonable? For a man who for nothing just made 30 pieces of silver? Look good for a moment. Just like sin. That Judas tree, I'm sure as the insects are flying in, they see all the other insects and think, well, all the other bugs are doing it. You ever heard anybody get into sin that way? Everybody else is doing it. Look at all those bugs on that tree. Let's go over there and see what they're doing. Like that Judas tree, sin is a poison. And much about Judas, we have to ponder. 
his motivation. I think it was greed. But you can make a case for some other things. The mystery. Why did he do it? I gave you my explanation. You may have another. But one point in my message this morning is unavoidable, unchangeable, and undeniable. And that is my final point, the mystery. You may think something about the man that I missed. You may think something about his motivation, his method, the mystery that I didn't cover. But you cannot deny that the Bible says the wages of sin is death. And at the end, the Bible says Judas went out and hanged himself. Sin always has a cost. Always makes us pay the price. I want to ask you to bow your heads this morning. majority of people today who are listening to my voice you know Christ personally as your Savior you've been saved no question no doubt but are we following without faith are there days we may not want to admit it. We may not want to accept it. But days when, like Judas, when we betray him, we fail him for far less than 30 pieces of silver. You're here today and you don't know Christ as your Savior. I assure you, just like Judas, the wages of sin is death. If you don't know Christ personally, I want to invite you to come this morning. Let me show you from God's Word how you can be saved. How you can know Him as your Savior. Christians, would you come this morning and kneel at this altar? We sing a lot of times that song, Jesus, keep me near the cross. I'd submit to you, maybe we need to change those words. Jesus, keep me near Jesus. Keep me near you. Don't let me falter. Don't let me fail. If Judas could fail, Peter denying. Who are we? Jesus, keep me close. Keep me close. Father, we thank you this morning for your word. And God, none of us want to be considered in the same breath, the same sentence with a man like Judas. 
God, this morning, I pray that you'll open our eyes, help us to see that many times we make the same kinds of decisions. Maybe not for 30 pieces of silver. God, help us to be committed, to be strong, to be followers of you in all circumstances. God, for the one that's online, the one that's here that doesn't know Christ, God, I pray that you touch their heart, that you stir them, that see their need, and the day will be the day of salvation. God, bring us to this altar. Bring us to our knees. Commit ourselves to follow you, no matter the cost. For it's in Jesus' precious name I pray. Amen. As we stand. Father, I thank you for the day you've given us, Lord, for allowing us to be here today. Uh, God, I pray, Lord, that you would 
uh, go with us as we leave here. Keep us close to you. Uh, help us to be followers of Jesus. We'll give you the honor for us. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen.